Welcome to Affinity, a conversational podcast series that shares the thoughts, observations, and insights of professional marketers working within teams of specialists worldwide. Welcome to another episode of the Affinity Podcast. Today, we will be delving into the amazing realm of artificial intelligence and machine learning within the healthcare delivery and communications sector. We'll be exploring its current impact and envisioning a future where technology plays a pivotal role in shaping the healthcare landscape. My name's Elliot and I'm in London. My name's Julian and I'm also based in London, working from home today. So Julian, thank you so much for being with us. You're an expert in healthcare comms. So let's start off with where we are right now with the use of AI in the NHS specifically. Is it being widely used and what is it being used for? Well, there are a couple of things that would be helpful, I think, just before we go straight into that. I think AI is obviously a buzzword and a lot of people are talking about it. And you go to a healthcare conference and people are saying, yeah, we put AI in our products. And so there is a lot of talk about it. I think what we have to set alongside that is the fact that the NHS is under extreme pressure. And so therefore, you know, how do we put the two things together uh, and how is AI helping? And I think there are probably four areas, diagnostics and imaging, triage and waiting list management, administration and documentation, and then predictive analytics. And these are all ways that the AI is starting to help relieve some of that pressure. Now, it's not going to do this overnight. The NHS isn't going to suddenly be a different animal tomorrow because of AI, but there are ways that it is helping. So diagnostics then, if we we talk about that, like, I guess, high level, what is that? Or or at least what does it cover? And then where does AI play a role? So I suppose let's let's talk about somebody who goes to their doctor, their GP with chest pains. You know, the, the GP will want to carry out some diagnostic tests. So as well as blood and other tests they'll do, they may do in chest x-ray. So for example, we know that about 600,000 chest x-rays are performed each month in England. And what that means is that you've got a lot of information being collected by the NHS. So the person goes to the doctor and, you know, we've with things like cancer, you need to be really quick in terms of determining and detecting whether something's cancerous. So it's in the patient's interest. It's in the health service interest to get that patient treated as quickly as possible. So AI tools are starting to help clinicians diagnose cancer earlier through through x-rays. There are other areas as well. Uh, Strokes, for instance, we're seeing algorithms being used to interpret brain scans uh, and inform clinical decisions in real time, and also uh, mammograms in breast cancer screening. But this is where you have to be careful that you are combining uh, what we know, what humans know, with what the machine or the AI can tell you. So you have to make sure that obviously with a, a mammogram that it's being checked, double-checked by humans. So there will be thousands of images to look at, and AI is very good at finding those things that potentially could be dangerous. And then we then make sure we double-check with humans and before we start making decisions. Okay, so that's fascinating. So the NHS then, presumably they need to use training data in order to train the IA so it's able to make these assessments for scans. What sort of data are the NHS using for that? Is it historical patient data? Is it nationwide data? Is it local data? Where does it come from? 
the NHS is very good at collecting data. In fact, a number of people have said the NHS is a, is a wash with data. I think if you remember that um, every time you go into hospital for treatment, in fact, every time you go to the GP, every time you have an interface with the healthcare system, something has been recorded about what's happening to you. And particularly for hospitals, what they have to do is when you go, going, for example, if you break your arm and you're in for treatment uh, with your broken arm, each bit of treatment that you have is coded because what the NHS has to do, what the hospital has to do, is make sure that it records that activity so that in the end it can be paid for that. Because, for example, a hospital that's doing 400 knee replacements a year isn't going to get the same level of reimbursement as one that's doing 4,000. So recording that information is really key and recording the patient journey is key. So there's, the NHS is constantly collecting this information. There are research projects as well that come on top of that. So there's very rich data in the NHS. And in terms of training data set, training AI, you know, it, it's very easy for AI to be able to look back at this data and take it all in. There's a lot of data there. That's fascinating. So based on what you're saying, I'm assuming it's not just, you know, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of scans. It's actually those scans, but also the context of that scan, meaning meaning the, the specifics about that particular patient, right? Yeah, I think, and we'll come on to this in a bit in terms of predictive analytics, but, you know, if you are able to start inferring information details about patients plus the scans, so, for example, you know that a, a person is a smoker, I suppose it makes them more risky to um, certain types of cancer, then that plays into that sort of the AI learning and, and using that information to make predictions. So healthcare users all over the world will not be fans of waiting lists and waiting for operations and to see doctors and so on and so forth. I'm just wondering, is AI an opportunity for us to make this part of healthcare delivery more efficient? Yeah, I think we're just starting to see this. Obviously, as I mentioned previously, the COVID pandemic meant that people weren't going to hospital for treatments and there is a huge waiting list. And I think the, the NHS has been under pressure for many years. At the end of last year, there were probably just a, there were over 7 million people on an elective waiting list. That's for planned care. So when you go and you know you're supposed to have an operation, and we know the stories about people who've had operations cancelled. So what a hospital will be doing is looking at its waiting list and working out, well, how do we make sure that the people who need the treatment are getting the treatment first? And what we're just starting to see is some AI tools being used to home through that data on the waiting list, look at the patients, look at what their previous admissions have been, put all that information together and then say, actually, we need to make sure that Mrs. Jones comes in ahead of somebody else because this is more important. This is going to make a difference to her life and to the NHS in terms of outcomes. I mean, that that sounds like it's got huge potential to optimise the waiting list in terms of order of you know, importance or order of, of need, let's say. But I suppose what everyone will be looking for, users and, and taxpayers and, and managers alike, will be how can we optimise performance, meaning have more room for performing more operations and providing more care for patients. And I, I guess this comes down to administration and documentation. Is there any way that AI can help with, with those roles? And is there any way do you see on the horizon a way for us to make the NHS more efficient? I think we have to be slightly careful when we talk about efficiency because AI is going to be helpful. And what 
some people, proponents of AI will say, well, what it's doing is it's enabling clinicians to spend more time in front of the patient with the patient and, and less time doing those documentation tasks. So another example is uh, the GP. So when you go and see your GP, what we're often faced with is a situation where the GP's at their computer talking to you and then putting in information. Then nine minutes later, however many minutes later it is, you're out of the door and the GP's then recording that information, turning it into uh, clinical notes, which takes time. So actually Microsoft uh, Nuance Communications, which is now part of the Microsoft family, they are, have developed uh, software that uses AI to listen to that consultation and then put the information in the clinical record. The GP doesn't have to be sitting there with one eye on you and one eye on the uh, computer and then recording afterwards because the AI knows when you've stopped talking about the weather and when you started talking about your knee pain or your headaches and that information is then goes straight into the patient record. So that that is coming. That's happening. In, they've already started putting that into practice in the US and there's likelihood that we can see that in, in the UK. As we talked about, the NHS is a big animal and getting that across all practices is going to take time. But it's just an example where actually some time can be saved and the GP can have more time with the, with the patient. We, we mentioned coding as well because all these codes are being effectively saved and stored in this huge NHS data set. In order for a hospital to be able to say, actually, yeah, we did this number of hip operations, or we did, you know, they, there's a lot of information that's going to have to be gone through. And so AI can also be used a little bit in terms of interrogating that data and producing reports. So uh, that's another way that, um, in terms of administration, that um, AI can be used. Well, wow, that's really fascinating stuff. And just to come back to the topic of predictive analytics, because I guess going forward, there must be so many ways that AI can be used, but can you talk to any other areas in predictive analytics that you can see on the horizon? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, so you and I might, for example, wear a watch that records our information about us, you know, our health, how many walks we've done in the week, how many steps we've done. That's quite useful information if you start to combine that with, so for example, the elderly and falls. We know that once an older person falls, once they've been admitted to hospital, their risk of staying in hospital increases. And because of through risk of infection, and sadly, people die, older people die when they go into hospital after a fall. So what we need to do is try and stop that from happening. So if you can imagine a situation where the local community team are able to put a wearable on somebody who's at risk, we know you can then start to work out whether they got up for a cup to make a cup of tea in the morning, uh, how active they've been. But then if you also combine that data set that we talked about in terms of the NHS data set, the hospital admissions data set, we know that they've been in hospital three times last year for a fall or that they're at high risk. And once you start combining those data through AI, AI can start to say, well, actually, I think this person is quite at risk of a fall. And therefore, the community team can start to spend more time with that person uh, and make sure that they don't fall. So, yeah, AI, I think, is, is, has got, certainly with predictive analytics, a lot to go for. There's a lot to go for because you can start to combine any number of data sets. And it doesn't have to be just health data sets as well, you know, because uh, we know that there's a link between uh, healthcare and education and socioeconomic status. So there are lots of data that you can start to pull together 
And it means that the health service isn't, isn't flying blind because it starts to know more about population and population health. Wow. I mean, that's absolutely fascinating. And the mind just boggles at how many use cases there will be for AI going forward beyond the, the, the handful of amazing examples that you've already given. Uh, but so going forwards then, the healthcare systems around the world, how well set up are they from a regulatory point of view to onboard these sorts of technologies? Uh, that's a really good question. I think we're just starting. And, and the fact that they had this conference at Bletchley Park to talk about AI, it shows that we're, we're, we're on the cusp of something. As we talked about, there have been, there are some good examples where AI can be really beneficial. But let's go back to the GP practice example where you've got software that's listening and making inferences about your clinical situation uh, and recording that into the data. Some people may actually not be very comfortable with that. You know, they may say, well, why, why is software listening to my to what I'm telling the doctor. I mean, the other side, the flip side is obviously it's beneficial, but there are data protection issues as well. And I think that we need to have those discussions. So I don't think we we know yet, and it's a slightly open-ended question, but it's a really important question. It is an important question. I, and I guess it comes down to where and when the data is used. Um, and from a patient's point of view, I, I guess I'm speaking for many patients where I say that if data can be used to improve the, the service and the care that I receive, then I'm okay with that. I guess the gray area is where that data starts to go out of that healthcare system and is used for third-party applications, insurance exactly comes that. to mind. It's exactly that. And I think people who say we should be using data more talk about, for example, financial services. You know, we have our banking apps on our phone and we are very more than happy, I in some respects, to, to have that data shared by a large number of companies, um, insurance companies are using the data, you know, that information is, is out there. I think healthcare is slightly different because it's personal. However, as you say, if it's going to improve your health, it's going to improve outcomes for the NHS, it's going to make us healthier as a nation, then certainly there is a role for AI and, and the use of data in that way. Well, Julian, thank you so much for this absolutely fascinating conversation. It's been an absolute delight and we'll look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thank you. It's been great. And um, yeah, as I said, I think this is an open-ended uh, discussion. There's more to come. You've been listening to the Affinity Podcast brought to you by Thin Partners Specialists working in offices worldwide. Now we'd love to hear what you think. Please take a moment to share your thoughts in the comments here or send us an email. You can find all of the contact details at finpartners.com. 